Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to do part one of a message called Standing for Truth in Today's Culture. When we look around at where things are at in the world around us and the fact that things just seem to be rapidly going downhill and the the amount of discord in our society and sin issues and lost souls all around us, it can be truly overwhelming. I think a lot of times being a set-apart woman in this culture it can feel paralyzing. How do we take a stand for truth? How do we make any kind of a difference? So I want to share a few thoughts with you today. One of my favorite stories in Christian history is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor who stood against the Nazi regime during the time when Hitler was taking over Germany. And what was so interesting about his life is that he was in the minority. Even though Hitler was creeping into the churches and rewriting the church doctrine and acting like he was coming in with a Christian agenda, but basically completely rewriting the Bible, so many pastors, the majority of pastors in that country chose to sort of bury their head in the sand and look the other way and not stand up against it. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the few that chose to write papers and start something that he called the Confessing Church. And only a small group of pastors and Christians joined the Confessing Church, but they were those who said, this is what real Christianity is, and we will not compromise on these points. And as a result, many of them were tortured and killed. Yet when you look at all of the overwhelming numbers of pastors and Christians who chose not to stand against Hitler and just remained part of the German church that kind of went along with whatever Hitler wanted, wouldn't allow Jews into their worship services and would allow Hitler to just rewrite scripture, you wonder if they had taken a stand the way Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, could the Holocaust have been prevented? When you look at the numbers at how many people stayed silent when they should have spoken up, it's a very interesting question to grapple with. It was about two years ago that I was in a hair salon just waiting in the waiting area, and I was watching something unfold um, in in the hair salon, not too far from where I was sitting. There was a girl about 14 years old who had long hair, and she was coming in, and she wanted to get her hair cut off to look like a boy. And her mom was there with her, as well as her lesbian partner. Here was a, a young teenage girl who had decided that she should have been born a boy and not a girl. So she had a girlfriend, and she wanted to get her hair cut off to be like a boy and her mom was there supporting it. And everybody in the hair salon knew automatically the politically correct way to respond. Everyone was saying things like, oh, good for you, honey. I'm so glad you have the freedom to just be yourself. You're, you're just being so courageous to finally you know, become who you were really meant to be. Nobody would have even dared to stand up and say, do you really think that God made a mistake when he created you a girl? You're, you're rejecting the femininity that God has given you. Nobody would dare to say something like that in a situation like that because our culture has trained us to stay silent. The same is going on in the abortion industry. It has become so normal and common and even trendy to celebrate and support 
abortion. And now it's starting to become trendy for celebrities to wear Planned Parenthood jewelry and pins at celebrity events on the red carpet. When you look at what abortion does, not only to the lives of the unborn, but the devastation that happens when girls and women are enticed into that quote unquote solution for this area of their life, it's just appalling to think that so many people are treating it as a light, careless, trendy, cool thing to support. Our culture has changed dramatically in the past few decades. Sin no longer happens secretly in the dark and distasteful corners of our society. Sin is now audaciously celebrated. It's proudly paraded and it's aggressively legalized. Anyone who dares to express concern over our new cultural freedom is labeled a turncoat or a traitor or a kook. These days, Christianity is only acceptable if it's the past passive, neutral kind of Christianity. Strong, bold, uncompromising Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of Christianity is rapidly being branded as crazy, outdated, old-fashioned, or even dangerous, a crime against humanity in this country. And the pressure to just keep your mouth shut and allow sin to reign is growing by the day. So many of us can look back at the Holocaust and say, why did those Thousands of pastors just stay silent when such a horrible evil was taking over their country. But looking around at what's happening in our culture, we can better understand the pressure that they were feeling. There is an intense social and political pressure to remain silent against the sin, lies, and deception, and it is present in every corner of our world, even in our churches. Several years ago, Eric and I were at an author banquet at one of the biggest Christian publishers in the country, and they had invited a lot of their top authors to this banquet. Eric and I were kind of sitting near the back, which I was glad of because I realized that every author that was getting up to speak at this banquet was an author that had written a very trendy, popular book that went against the word of God. They were men who were saying that the word of God needs to be reinvented, rebranded, reinterpreted in light of modern culture. Each of these men was a well-known Christian writer, and they were in favor of redefining Christianity. Through their books and their messages, they argued that the Bible should be reinterpreted to comply with the changing culture and that Christians should be more accepting of all lifestyles, beliefs, and religions. For instance, they declared that any Christian who dared to call homosexuality a sin was not truly representing the heart of God. They stated that people can find God in many different ways and through many different paths, and that Christians needed to recognize the validity of other religions. It reminded me so much of Hitler's plan to reorganize the Christian church in Germany. Like the Nazis, these clever, persuasive deceivers were calling Christians to take a vow of loyalty to political correctness and to disregard their loyalty to the teachings of Christ. When these speeches were finished at this author banquet, all 800 Christians in the room, except for Eric and me, gave the men a standing ovation. Now, looking around the room, I knew that not every believer present agreed with what was being spoken or the lies that these men were propagating, but they were being swept along by the powerful current of social approval, and they felt helpless to stand against it. Like the German Christians, it was easier just to remain passive and neutral and to choose comfort and security over conviction and truth. 
The reality is that God doesn't make mistakes. And I think that is one of the most prevalent attitudes in our culture today is that, well, God made me a girl, but I should have really been born a boy or vice versa. Or God, you know, put me in this situation, but I should have been in that situation. So we rebel against God, do things our own way, rewrite the words of scripture to make it fit with our own agenda. But in reality, God does not make mistakes, and it's time we start living according to that reality. There's a classic children's story called The Emperor's New Clothes, which maybe you grew up with. I remember growing up with this story. There was a vain emperor, and he is deceived by two scheming weavers. They're hired to make him beautiful new clothes. The weavers convince the king that they are weaving with magic cloth, and only those who are wise and intelligent can see the cloth. If anyone is dull, stupid, or idiotic, then this magic cloth is invisible to him. The emperor sees nothing when he looks at their looms, but he is too embarrassed to admit it. So he calls his noblemen to look at the cloth, and each of the noblemen declares that it is the most magnificent material that they have ever laid their eyes upon. The noblemen are not about to be branded as dull, stupid, or idiotic, so they pretend to see the invisible fabric and to ooh and awe over it. Now, all of this deception and social pressure eventually leads to a huge parade in which the emperor marches through the town square to show off his amazing new clothes. In reality, he is marching through the town in nothing but his undergarments. But who is about to speak out and tell him that? If anyone admits that they do not see his clothes, he or she will immediately be mocked for being dull, stupid, and idiotic. So eventually, it's a little child who is oblivious to the social pressure and unconcerned about what others think, who finally speaks out against the lunacy that is unfolding all around her. She says, Mommy, the emperor is naked. And she yells it out really loud. And then people begin to wake up and realize, whoa, we've all been deceived. The emperor is actually not wearing any clothes. Many of us are like those silent citizens in that emperor's kingdom. We see the deception of our age and the throngs of people going along with the sham, but we keep our mouths shut as the emperor marches through the town in his undergarments. We are afraid of being branded as dull, stupid, and idiotic. And to say what no one else is willing to say, like the emperor is naked, is socially unacceptable. To speak those words could actually be a death sentence for our comforts and our reputation. But I want to challenge you with the question, are you willing to speak them anyway? Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's in Matthew 18, 3. It's only when we are willing to become like that little child, oblivious to what others think, naive to social pressure and political correctness, unconcerned with being labeled as an idiot, that we can truly embrace the kingdom of God with all its foolishness and political incorrectness. Standing for truth comes at a high price. It shouldn't be romanticized. Men and women who boldly stand for their faith sometimes do go down in history as heroes, but their moment-by-moment circumstances are usually anything but glamorous, and usually they're very difficult. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer chose to stand against Hitler's persecution of Jews and control over the German church, he had to forsake popularity. He had to surrender the respect and admiration of his friends and fellow pastors. He had to be willing to say what no one else was willing to say, even as many of his peers walked away in disgust. He had to choose the applause of heaven over the applause of this world, and eventually it cost him his very life. Are we willing to make the same decisions?
The times in which we live are really not too far removed from the times in which Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived and countless Christian martyrs through the centuries have lived. Amid the comforts, pleasures, and entertainment of our Western world, there is a terrible evil that has stealthily taken over, is taking control of our society, and it has bullied Christians into silence and created an open-minded society that accepts anything and everything except accountability to God. If you want to be loved and applauded, you have to obey certain rules like never speak out against homosexuality, just approve it and applaud it, be an affirming church instead of a judgmental church, never say anything about abortion, just mind your own business and let women make their own choice, never act like Jesus is the only way to salvation. People can find God through other religions like Buddhism, Islam, and Hinduism. Or don't act like those Bible-thumping Christians who have an opinion about everything. Keep your mouth shut and don't take a bold stand on anything any point of scripture. In light of these pressures, it is time that we make a choice whether to join the, quote, German church or the, quote, confessing church, even though we don't have a confessing church today. The German church was the vast majority of Christians who chose to remain neutral and passive towards Hitler's agenda. And the confessing church was a small minority of believers who refused to choose comfort over conviction. They stood boldly against the evil that was sweeping their nation and many paid with their lives. So far in this country, standing boldly for truth is not leading to extreme persecution or martyrdom yet, but the decision must be made in our hearts long before it comes to that. If we are not willing to make smaller sacrifices in the here and now, like being willing to be socially rejected in order to stand for truth, then how will we be ready to give up our very lives for Christ if and when real persecution comes? So some final thoughts I want to share with you. When Esther came before the king with her audacious request, the decision to give up her very life for her people had already been made. In Esther 4.16, it says, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. We must have this same attitude, just as the saints did in the book of Revelation, who did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In Revelation 12, 11, it says that. So ask God for the grace to join the ranks of the confessing church, even when other Christians choose the easier path. Though you may feel small, weak, insignificant, and fearful, his grace can shape you into a strong, courageous world changer, one step of obedience at a time. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this topic, please see the many online resources that we have available on our website, setapartgirl.com, and especially the online article, Courage to Stand. And if you haven't yet become a subscriber to our Set Apart Girl magazine, consider subscribing because this is an amazing, beautiful, spiritually rich, ad-free resource that can really strengthen your walk with Christ no matter what season of life you're in. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.